And we're back with another episode of the Cosmic Crossfire. It's Gerald coming right back at you here. But it wouldn't be a Cosmic Crossfire without my good friend. He is the traveling man today. It is my good friend from Rob McCallum Films. You got to check out all the great things that are going on with his awesome experience known as Rob McCallum Films with Box Art, the Kitty documentary, the He-Man documentary, Power of Grayskull coming up, and so much more by checking out today on robmccallumfilms.com, Rob McCallum Films on Facebook, and at Rob McZob on Twitter. It's my good friend. It is Rob McCallum. Busy man. Busy man. Busy day today, my friend. Uh, a lot going on, but uh, that is just another day, I suppose, in life. It just depends on where the busyness is coming from. We are getting set to move, and it goes on when you move from place to place, and we got moving from a house to another house. So lots of packing, lots of paperwork. It's happening, but there's always time for the crossfire, I hope. Anyways, well, this is, what, the third time you've had to pack in less than, what, uh, eight months? That's ridiculous. Let's just say that. It's ridiculous. It is. So, but you can't keep the spirit down, right? No, nor the cinder blocks. No, if you know Rob McCallum. But, Your hands uh, haven't run the stairs. No, they, they haven't. And, and I think I still will be traumatized for the rest of time for that. There's only but, one word that describes that. Wicked. Wicked indeed. Wicked indeed. <laughs> but we're here to talk today about pop culture. And I know you're extremely busy. And we truly appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. But... Pray tell, Rob, what's in your mind when it comes to pop culture? Well, we've got a lot of things on the docket today, things that we've covered in other episodes. So it's really great that we get to do all these setup and callbacks and, and carry on these stories from earlier episodes of The Crossfire. And, you know, it, Star Wars is always a, a staple, a pillar, an anchor on the Cosmic Crossfire. Today, a new rumor has hit the web that says Lando is set to appear in Episode Nine. They've been making waves about who could be making a cameo in, in episode nine in the same way that people may not have expected Yoda in episode eight. So now they're saying Lando is set to appear in episode nine. The question to you and all our listeners is, is this good world building, bringing back characters from the original trilogy and possibly these standalone films? Or is this just another nostalgia crutch? How do you feel about Lando possibly appearing in episode nine? Well, I think it does. As Billy D. Williams, should I say, not Donald Yeah. Trump. Well, I think it does provide a goodwill statement to those who are were really turned off by the Last Jedi and and others. But it, it oh, well, how is that goodwill? I think a lot of people are just still into the old characters and they didn't want to see them go. I will say this: as I was talking to my daughters yesterday about this at length. I think they had an opportunity to go ahead and close the chapters on the original characters in The Last Jedi, and and they chose not to do so on all accounts. I know I've been back and forth, I think, with you this on before in regards to Princess Leia, because they did have the opportunity, unfortunately, due to real-life circumstances with her untimely death, now they have to deal with her death in maybe a not-so-organic way in Episode Nine. You know, when it comes to Lando, he has a lot of goodwill as far as from the solo, a Star Wars story, because Donald Glover's performance is considered one of the best. I thought it was a truly great and, and inspiring performance. For inspiring? Lando. Inspiring what? To bake a loaf of bread? 
What are you inspired to do by that performance? Wow, I want to get into acting because that was good. That kind of inspiration? Or did you just enjoy it? Don't say you're inspired by it unless you're going to act on something, some sort of action that you saw because of that. Wow, I'm going to take up Sabak. I was inspired to become a a better Sabak player because of Donald Glover. Well, possibly that, but it was an enjoyable performance. It was, I think, the best of the actual cast that was there. I thought it was just truly a really strong performance in what was a fairly good movie at best, especially the, you know, as far as it, you saw it, I'm sure. Correct. Cause we never did chance, get a chance to do a spoiler. Oh, I've cast. seen it. I've seen it. And, okay. and I was inspired to discuss it with you, but we never oh, got around gosh. to it. You were really, yes, that was well. I've had yeah. some coffee folks. Here we go. You were going to have to inspire Jay to come on. And that was the, that was the issue. So, mm-hmm. but uh, anyways, we just couldn't match a time to do it, but now it's too late to do a spoiler cast. But anyways, I digress. I think it was a great performance by Donald Glover. It obviously it enhances the Lando Calrissian character, and he's always been a favorite of the Star Wars universe. And I don't see a problem with him being in Episode Nine. You see, I'm really split on this one. On the one hand, uh, going into Episode Seven and even slightly in Episode Eight, I was really of the mindset that you don't need to add new characters and worlds. You've established so much with the original trilogy. And even the prequels didn't really journey that much further with new places and characters that they were adding. They were really tethered to that core group of players uh, that we knew from the original trilogy that have been proven that work well in a film and, and, you know, make people happy, but just is good storytelling. Now, of course, here we are, episode nine. We're talking about bringing some of these leggy characters back. And I feel like, well, why start now? Episode nine is a little late to do some fan service. Stick within this new setup that you've got going. Stick within this new world, these new places, these new people. You don't need to necessarily go back to that. In the same way that Episode 7 didn't even feature Luke Skywalker in the last two minutes of it, you don't necessarily need to have Lando in this one. And I worry that if you put Lando in this one, it's further going to complicate a Lando solo film down the road because I don't think you're going to do the character justice by seeing more of him. This was the problem that people had with the Han Solo film. We've already seen so much Han. Do we need an origin story for Han Solo? A lot of people think we don't. A lot of people thought it was fun regardless. Not sure it was is it was needed. And now with rumors of a Lando spinoff in that timeline, I don't know that we need to see Lando later. It's further going to say, well, we know what happens to Lando. We don't need to see anymore. It's going to well, reduce the stakes of a standalone film if, if, that, if it comes to that. I like something that you've touched on before and that these stories, the Han Solo story, the Boba Fett, the Landos, the Obi-Wans, they might be better served on a platform such as Amazon Prime or Netflix as far as over a course of, like you had mentioned, a 10 to 12 episode arc. I would mind seeing in that realm because I would like to see, for Lando's case, I'd like to see him do that little maneuver at the Battle of Danab or in Solo where they were trying to equate it out. You could obviously tell they were trying to do something as far as equate a maybe a, even a solo mini trilogy type deal as far as relate his story where he gets the cargo confiscated in the next movie by the Empire and that's how he starts to get in trouble with Jabba the Hutt and all that. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Maybe these stories aren't meant best for the big screen but i still think there's a place for them in the universe but it just probably was better meant for maybe like i said a a streaming platform that you know is just trying to soak in as much content as they can get i just don't know that we need to see another character from the original trilogy 
thrown into episode nine. I was a huge fan of episode eight. I think there was precedent to see some force ghosts appear later, like we saw in the original trilogy. I think Yoda was the most organic and obvious fit to kind of put in there in hindsight. I don't think Lando necessarily has a place. What's Uncle Lando going to do for, for Kylo Ren? You know, is he going to make him remember the old days of his dad and, and turn the tide? Like, I just don't see the role of Lando impacting everything in a bigger way than the character already did in Return of the Jedi, but coming on as a board, a board like General Calrissian did in the, in the final fight. Like, what's he going to do? Is it going to be a la Jeff Goldblum in the new Jurassic Park where he's just got one scene and he soaks up the stage for that one final time? I just don't see it really overall helping the story to see that familiar face. I think it's 100% fan service and not a lot of story. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. It'll be great when we see it. And if it, if it turns out to be pivotal and, and key, I just think they have enough to mine and enough to resolve and enough work ahead of them without trying to get another original trilogy character in there organically and seamlessly and, and to do it well. Well, you're one of the biggest proponents of The Last Jedi. I'm not as high on it as you are, although I didn't think it was an awful movie by any stretch. But for me, Lando is one of the coolest characters in the Star Wars universe. And like you said, if it's shoehorned in there, no, it's not going to work. And people are going to just think it's another form of just force another character on us, pardon the pun there. But I just think that J.J., does deserve some leeway in this type of situation. And since he's taken over the film and is actually obviously putting a lot into it as far as his hand in the writing and everything of that nature, I think he deserves some leeway. I think he will be able to find a way to put it in organically, to find a way to have Lando Calrissian a part of the actual film. Obviously, they're still going to focus mainly now on the new characters within the Star Wars realm. Rey, Poe, Finn, Kylo Ren. But I think at this point in time, he's the last legacy character you can really throw in there left if for people that still want to hold on to that and still may have a reason to go see the movie after all. It'll be interesting to see what they try to do and what J.J. tries to do for fan service. A lot of people harpooned him when it came to making episode seven too much like episode four for the sake of fit fan service. And it was, it was nothing original. It was just rehashed versions of, of everything we've seen before. So given that, I wonder if it's smart to put Lando in, in episode nine and if he has the leeway to do it and you can't please everybody. He's got to make the film for him first and foremost. And I don't know that including Lando is going to help his, his cause. I think it would be much cooler to make Lando's real standout appearance in his in his solo film, by solo film I mean standalone film, because we saw him how great Donald Glover's inspiring performance was in the solo film. Of course, let him be the star of, of that timeline and those films that are coming out and, and world building on that side. I think I think that's the road to go. Big Lando fan, just like you are, but I think that the peak of that character was the final battle in Return of the Jedi, and I think you could leave it at that. Well, I agree with you on the statement that you can't. Thank you. Everybody. Thank you. Agree you, with me. Thank you. Well, like you've said before, you just can't please everyone. And of course, J.J. Abrams, I think, already has a knowledge that you cannot please everyone. And that includes especially Star Wars fans, as we have seen over the past few months. 
nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious Wheelie Q rubs, seasonings, and gluten-free barbecue sauce. Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, Head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. Pop Culture Cosmos listeners, act now and get 15% off your order just by entering the promo code POD1, that's P-O-D and the number one at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com. The most buzzed about director's cut has a little bit more information now in the pipeline, Gerald. This possibly is the most sought after director's cut that has never been released. I don't know why, but here's here's the skinny. Apparently an artist who worked on Justice League has confirmed that there is a Zack Snyder cut for the film. Again, do we care? Are we just hoping that this cut exists so that the film can't be as bad as it actually is and can only be better. In fact, can't any other cut of the film actually make it better by existing in opposition to what has been released? I did watch Justice League last week on the off chance. And no wonder we didn't talk for four days while you grieved. There you go. But it's okay with movie. It's much, I think it's better than BBS and also Man of Steel, in my opinion. I know you wow. think otherwise. Wow. But- Wow. We should should just end the segment in the show right here because you don't have any credibility for what comes out of your mouth next. After making that statement, Justice League is better than Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman. I think you're still talking about a 6 out of 10. No, no. Okay, here we go. Keep going. I've somehow tuned you out after that magnificent statement you just made. Well, you know, you and I seem to agree on everything. Not You you know it. Yes, yes. But I, I will say this that there is plenty of room for improvement with that film. And I mean plenty, (laughs) but to me, it was all right. It's just an all right film. And like I said, I watched it, you know, again last week and thought it was a little bit better the second time around, but it still has its issues. So if there is a cut out there that can make it better by all means, because it does emulate the Marvel Cinematic Universe way too much. There are some UGG moments, but there's also some cool moments too. I, I like some of the, uh, the banter back and forth. I thought that was pretty entertaining. I really think there is a connection between the Wonder Woman character and the Batfleck, which is going to be a shame because we're no longer probably going to see the Batfleck anymore and see that develop because they want to make a younger Batman now. I, I just thought it was, like I said, there were some signs there of hope, but like we know from all, all the domestic box office, the worldwide box office receipts that it just wasn't something that the folks wanted to see in mass at least as much as any of the other movies that have come out recently in the DC universe. Okay. I'm going to cling to one thing that you said there. If just, you can just make, one, just, just one. one for now, just one for now. If you can make a better cut of this film by all means, does that mean you're prepared to give another two and a half hours or longer of your life to this film? That's only okay. You've already given five hours of your life, more than a half a work day, and you're ready to give it another two and a half hour, three hours hoping that it's better and for a film that's just okay why not 
Why not? Because there's so many things to watch out there, Gerald. You know this. I know this. We talk about that repeatedly. Have you seen this? Have you not seen this? What's next in your queue? We know there is a ton of content out there. I don't have time or a place on my list for a second version of a film that was only okay, even if I wanted to agree with you that it was a 6 out of 10 or a 3 out of 5. I'm not saying I am because I don't agree that. Even if I wanted to, I don't have time for a second chance film that I didn't love enough the first time. I'm still waiting for that four-hour director's cut of Blade Runner 2049. I still got to check that out. That's on my list. And I guarantee the first version of that will be way ahead of any recut Zack Snyder director's cut of Justice League. Well, which cut of the Blade Runner? That's for sure, because there's so many out there. In fact, maybe there's even ones that we haven't seen. All likely. All likely. What else is interesting in the in the talk of spinoffs and other movies is an Optimus Prime spinoff has been suggested now. In the wake of Bumblebee getting his own standalone film, there's reports that Optimus Prime will get his own spinoff movie. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, don't the Transformer films already feel like the Optimus Prime show? Why do we need a spinoff of Optimus when the six films or whatever are pretty much only focus on him as the main robot? All I hear when you say that is in the back of my head, Shia LaBeouf just screaming it so annoyingly, Optimus, Optimus. Why would you go ahead and do a spinoff on him when, like you said, he's it's been so centralized in all these films and he's been the cornerstone of all of them. Well, but that was, uh, I think that was the week when we had like seven new trailers drop, Bumblebee versus Lego Movie 2, the sequel in which we liked better for whatever reasons. We never got around to it because I think we ran short one week on yeah. like International Trailer Day on that one Friday. And both of those trailers dropped along with How to Train Your Dragon 3 and I- Immortal Machines or whatever that was. They all dropped on, on the same day. But those two I thought were really interesting because they were spun off from an existing film. So I'll throw it to you now. Which movie are you more excited for? Lego Movie 2, given what you've seen, or Bumblebee? Well, Lego Movie 2 didn't even really like look that good, but I would put it miles ahead of Bumblebee because I have zero desire to see Bumblebee. Absolutely zero because I am done with the Transformer franchise. It's just, it's been played out. It's done. There's a reason why the numbers kept sliding down and down and down and even more down with each and every one. It's just that it's done. I did love the Lego movie when it came out. I thought that was really enjoyable, but so far I've not seen anything to really impress me when it comes to the Lego movie too, as well. I got to tell you on paper, I would agree a hundred percent, but Rob McCallum does always a little bit of digging about what's going on here. I thought the Lego movie two looked or part two or whatever it's called felt really boring. Nothing felt fresh. Felt like ex- like a, an extended joke that are, had already hit its punchline. It was digging and hoping for more laughs it just feels like it's not going to be what the first one was hope it does well for everybody involved just not i'm not excited for me it's like deadpool too because that's when i saw that's exactly what i was thinking but then i started looking at bumblebee and it really starts well we'll start with this the nostalgia factor transformer fans are going to love the fact that you have a bumblebee movie with the original volkswagen bug car that bumblebee was known for back in generation one the original transformers cartoon and and toy so he's gonna love they're they're all gonna love that all the fans are gonna love that but what really got me is the director travis knight is directing the bumblebee spinoff now travis knight if you don't know that name he is 
a critically acclaimed artist that works for Leica, the stop motion company behind Coraline, and he directed Kubo in the Two Strings. Both of those films are really excellent for me. They have really great storytelling and an emotional through line that kind of resonates around the world. And for that reason alone, I'm much more interested in Bumblebee more than any other Transformer film, should I say. Travis Knight is the reason that I would eventually check out Bumblebee. I'm not going to race the theater to see it, but I definitely will check it out because of uh, who's in charge there. Let me ask you this, though. From what I've seen, it looks like just a normal setup for every other Transformer movie that's been out there. What do you think that's going to be different that he's going to be bringing to the Transformer mix, and you know, especially in the case of Bumblebee? I think there's going to be much like uh, Jurassic World had that relationship with Blue and uh, Chris Pratt's character. I think you're going to see a really solid relationship between Bumblebee and the girl that's the lead character. I think you're going to find that there is that sort of human pet dichotomy and relationship going on, but then it's going to evolve a little bit more than that. And I think that's going to be what uh, anchors the story all the way through. Okay. I'll take your word for it. If, if it does prove to be something special, then, then you know what? I may even check it out when it hits uh, a home video standard because I, as of now I have a home video hand. stand you're just going to go down to the corner with a guy selling papers for two well, bits no, just, and check know, out the home video stand home video standard I said as oh, far okay. as uh, streaming you're all <laughs> ready to jump on me today I I'm you. ready to go yes you must have way too much coffee my friend Rob McCallum Films is back in 2017 with a vengeance. This year, we're set to release Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull drops this year and is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Two films that might be potential disasters, and we turn our attention to one film that is a complete disaster, no matter how bright it looks, no matter how much the clouds part and the sun shines down, it ends up in a third degree burn and a trip to the emergency room. The man who killed Don Quixote has another torture turn in the long lasting narrative. So I have heard. Terry Gilliam has lost the rights to the film to his former Portuguese producer, Paul Bronco. Bronco overturned a ruling in Paris courts and is now suing Gilliam and everybody who allowed for this film to be made and distributed, including current producers, distributors in France, and the Cannes Film Festival, where it premiered last month. This film has been plagued since 1990, with many different actors coming and going, and even a documentary, Man of La Mancha, was made to showcase some of the production troubles that Gilliam has faced over the decades in his pursuit to make this passion project. You got to check out Man of La Mancha. We've talked about it once or twice on the Cosmic Crossfire. It's a great film where you can see how hard it is to make a film. But this one, you see everything that they try to do goes completely wrong. Uh, clearly, the curse continues. Orson Welles famously tried to adapt the Don Quixote tale and had troubles as well. The film now stars Adam Driver in the main role that was once in the hands of Johnny Depp. I ask you now, I've asked you before, and I've asked several people, how can things get worse for this film and Terry Gilliam? There, I mean, well, and like, John, think about it. He could and don't forget Jonathan Price is in the film as well. Uh, it's kind of ironic in so many ways because of the way the story has been told out. The story of how this movie came to light is actually better than the actual movie itself, whatever it, it you know it, it comes out to be. And 
is it currently available anywhere on home streaming or anywhere? No, at it, this point it just in time? It, no, it just premiered at uh, the the Con or or Can Film Festival last month to mixed reviews. But that's it. There's a distributor in France on board, and I think that's how it got into Can. And that's it. It was getting lined up for several purchases and, and all that and, and deals, but nothing has been made yet. It's only been out a month. It's only been screened, I think, twice. That's it. I mean, you and I have seen the trailer. I have. I know you probably yeah, have. Yeah, I've checked it out. So I mean, we can only get a little glimpse in it, but what, what are the odds that this movie never sees the light of day? It'll, it, even, and, even much, and, much like, and much like episode seven, eight, and nine, and every other film that will ever come out, Infinity War 2 or Avengers 99, this will never live up to the hype in the tale that is around the story because of what has happened. It'll never live up to the press that it's that it's incurred and its journey to actually exist. Well, the Last Guardian, as far as if people want to reference video game standards, exactly video game so, equivalent. Yeah, even though it came out, it came Chinese out to, democracy. <laughs> yes, and it came out to decent reviews, but it could never live up to what ten years plus of development cycle for that game, you know, could could hold. And there's actually games right now that are still in development for years and years. Uh, you know, Final Fantasy, the FF7 remake, and, and and more that are still, if they do finally come out, and it's just never going to hold up to whatever standard that we have set over the course of the many years of trying to follow it. So I get you on that. It's not going to ever live up to whatever the, the hype is and, and whatever the many years that, Terry Gilliam, who is a brilliant director. He's made some outstanding films. Brazil is my favorite. I'm just going to throw that one out there. The story behind the movie is probably going to be better than the, the movie itself. There's two ways that I can see this only getting worse. And they're both really inevitable. Well, either way, either one could happen, Gerald. Either one could happen. One, the film is never played ever again. It's never screened. It's shelved. Nobody ever gets to see it again which is a pretty crappy fate for a film that's taking 28 years to, to get made and only screened once. The other thing is if it gets completely recut and put out without Gilliam involved any further because the rights are now with this producer. Both fates, I think, are equally poisonous and, and nauseous to, to Terry Gilliam. I, I don't think you can come out of this with a happy ending at this point, I think the happy ending, the high point was the fact that it screened at, at con and that an audience actually saw what you were trying to do. It's uh, it never live up to the hype. Like we've said. And I think, uh, you know, he spent so much of his life doing it, it. It can't have a happy ending at this point. Well, that pretty much sums up a lot of Terry Gilliam's career as far as you mixed reviews all over. But then again, a lot of his stuff has had mixed reviews that have actually over the course of time, become cult favorites, become better appreciated over the course of years. And that, that, that includes a lot of the movies that he's done over the course of time. I agree. I agree. He's, uh, he's made a nice little niche for, for himself. And, uh, oh, man, he's, he's the best in the worst, right? Like, you either love him or you don't love him. But I love filmmakers that are polarizing like that because they don't compromise anything. No, and, and that's definitely something that you can say about him, that his style is unique in, in a world and in an industry where it seems like everybody seems to follow the same type of formula when they're telling these narratives and these Hollywood blockbusters and these even these indie films and, and other things that of that nature. 
it's nice to see that Terry Gilliam is still willing to do things his way and show things to an audience in the fashion that he sees fit. And we may never get to see that happen when it comes to Don Quixote. And he, you know, at his age, I'm not sure how many films he will have left, especially after this exhausting ordeal when it comes to Don Quixote. I agree. I agree. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Last thing I want to talk to you about since we're talking about waiting 28 years for a film, the last thing I want to put out there this goes back to our ongoing discussions of theme parks. We talk about theme parks in a bunch of different ways. There was big news that Tokyo Disney is doing a $2.8 billion expansion with worlds for Frozen and Peter Pan, and including an in-resort hotel called Disney Sea, which of course echoes what's going on with Star Wars and the in-park hotel that they're doing there at Galaxy Edge. It was Donald Duck's birthday not that long ago, and there was a wait for 600 minutes to meet Donald Duck at Tokyo Disney. This is 10 hours in line. You're going to wait to meet the character, who we all know is just some character in a costume, signing autographs and taking pictures. Is it worth the wait, Gerald? Should we wait 10 hours to meet Donald Duck? Oh, my gosh. Uh, All I say is this. I have a daughter that's really invested into Disney and finds out all these things that you do when it comes to the Disney park expansions, the the Disney insider news and all that. And I got wind of this through her and it's just, it's insane, man. I mean, the frozen ride, when it came out, what uh, in, in Orlando, that one is just, you know, people were waiting like five, seven hours as far as for that as well for a three minute ride. It's insane, man. I would not wait 10 hours. Now, if you paid me, that's a different story. And you paid me a lot of money. I go say hi to Donald Duck, but you'd have to pay me a lot of cashola, man. A lot of cashola. The other thing is this was wilderness Donald too, right? This was not like standard classic Donald. This was in Frontierland. This wasn't in, you know, like in Epcot where he's got like the, the Calbrero, the Sombrero. This was wilderness Donald. So he's like an offshoot. 10 hours is a lot, and I'm sure it's going to be different when those autograph autograph books get in my kids' hands and they want to get everybody signing them and, and getting it all settled, but 10 hours is a lot. I put it this way. I would make sure that I'm there at the park a couple days to get up early and try to get that Donald Duck autograph to complete the collection, but 10 hours is a whole day, especially but, imagine in the sun yes. right now. But let me ask you this. What if your son or daughter, you were happened to be in tokyo disney and your son or daughter just had to have that donald duck autograph and you had to wait that 10 hours for it would you nope too bad tough love i'd I'd say we all need something to want and yearn for in life you have this one thing now that that you you have to spend the rest of your life trying to acquire it's called motivation tactics or you take the book to the restroom say i i'm gonna be right back uh, and then i'm just gonna go let me uh, see what i can do hey look donald signed this i ran into him he went clackers yeah yes he was on break yeah (laughs) right there folks that is typical rob mccallum 
Hey, we'll get it done. It might not be the best means, but it'll get done. There you go. Why does it say Jay Bartlett on this autograph book? I don't worry about that. Don't worry. About <laughs> that. That'll do for another episode of the Cosmic Crossfire, Gerald. I'm glad uh, that we're putting out these standalone episodes too, not just cut up into segments as part of the PCC or the multiverse. Yeah, that's correct. And it's been great. I tell you what, I truly want to again thank everybody on the Retro City Games Facebook page because they have been eating our podcasts up like crazy, including your last full Cosmic Crossfire, which has garnered hundreds of views out there. We just truly appreciate them taking the time to listen to our shows. I cannot thank them enough for doing so. And again, everyone else that listens to us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and so many other outlets, even YouTube. You want to check us out, we're on several YouTube outlets as well. We just cannot thank you enough. In fact, if you want to ask us any questions for the show, you can always reach us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Plus also, at Rob McZomb on Twitter, Rob McCallum Films on Facebook. And speaking of Rob McCallum Films, can we get an update of what's going on in your world when it comes to Rob McCallum Films? Oh, my friend, I got lots going on. I'm embarking, of course, on the two horror scripts that I told you about. I'm still working on the one before I shift my attention to the other. I've got a short film in the works that actually might involve some stop-motion animation. That might tie into a new comic book project that I'm, I'm also kind of starting to get off the ground as a cross-promotion kind of thing. And uh, lots going on for the Nintendo Quest video game, Gamer Quest as well, and we're taking control of an 8-bit J trying to collect games in a PG-like slash sim-like uh, reality that has you traveling from town to town, collecting these games in a universe where game collecting determines social status. And what else? What about uh, Box Art, Power of Grayskull? Power of Grayskull is, is coming out soon. Still can't say too much. We were supposed to be in the middle of a massive marketing push, but then we had some things happen. And we are not doing that because we can't quite open pre-orders up for ourselves yet, but that doesn't mean our original release dates aren't holding. It just means the plans we had in motion have been put on hold until after the big release happens. Box art doing really well. We're going to be digging back into it as post audio is starting to happen with music creation and, and other sound design drops and just bring on a lot of people to be involved as uh, third party collaborators with different segments. So it uh, it is trucking along too. And you've got Kitty's Origins and Evolutions on Amazon. And you're also, speaking of Amazon Prime, you've got a lot of great things going on when it comes to Missing Mom and all those reviews. Yeah, Missing Mom has done incredibly well. We hit over the 250,000 view mark on Amazon Prime in just uh, two and a half months. So that's been really great for us to see it reach such a wide audience. More people continue to reach out every day. And those five-star reviews that everybody keeps leaving have been really helpful and beneficial. Kitty Origins Evolutions continues to make its way across the globe as fans from every corner of the planet I've been discovering the film and reaching out saying how much they love and how much they've been waiting for this to hear the story from Kitty's own words and not have anybody interrupted and just have the band tell their story of what's happened over their 20 year legacy career and how it's uh, shaped everything uh, for them and everything else afterwards. Just so much on the plate for you, man. How can you just handle it all? I'm telling you. And a uh, family man too. Lots of coffee. Lots of coffee. Well, we truly appreciate you swigging back a couple of cups before you came on the show and appreciate your inspired performance right here in the Cosmic Crossfire. I'm inspired by our, our discussion today. I'm inspired to quit talking about pop culture for another week. Fair enough. Fair enough. Rob, it's always so great to have you on the show. And of course, a part 
of the Cosmic Crossfire right here on the Pop Culture Cosmic.